there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. And he's got a bad case of the hill climbs. <laughs> That's right. Remember those high school uh, track coaches that made you run hills or steps? Well, Dr. Batar is his own worst track coach because he's doing that right before the show. Dr. Batar, are you alive? Man, I'm barely alive. You know, Robert, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I never understood why coaches made you do that, and now mm-hmm. I understand. In fact, five, maybe six years ago, the first time I competed at the Worlds, um, in martial arts, I realized how desperately I needed that and how significant of an impact it actually had mm-hmm. on the respiratory reserve. And it, it's, it's just tremendous what it does for the body. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's painful, but you know, the, you feel so good afterwards. I don't know whether it's because of the effects of exercise or you just feel so good because you're not doing them anymore. <laughs> no, well, that's part of it, certainly. I mean, when you push yourself that hard, I mean, that's. I remember the competitive days where you just push yourself beyond what you think your limits are. But of course, at the end of it, in the regenerative, uh, you know, aspects of recovery, there's a whole, you know, other level that you appreciate. And, and unless you've gone to high levels of athletics, uh, people maybe not understand that. Well, I'll tell you what. It it's uh, it's used to. I never remember having to take any time to recover. And it now takes uh, it takes a little bit of time to recover after after doing it. Well, being on planet Earth for as long as we have, darn near a half century, uh, you you start to realize the effects of gravity. As much as we try to uh, deny them, is part of the the, the saging process, I suppose. But uh, we can still function pretty well. I, I still find I can do things I couldn't do in my twenties because I've kind of created my life anew because of my you know background being medically grown uh, and and pharmaceutically harmed, if you will. And so it doesn't mean, uh, you know, like mom, she's 81 and going out dancing. She's dancing more than she danced when she was in her 20s. So it's not that we don't do anything, but sometimes we just need a little time to honor recovery. Yeah, I think it's actually, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with age. Mm -hmm. I really think it has to do with the accumulation of all the inundation of the environmental aspects that we have to deal with as as, uh, physiological beings. And it's not just... right. The toxicity, but you know, when you're sitting inside a building, your mass is not as great as the mass of the building that you sit in. So the effect of that, the mass effect of that building, the the whether it's cell resonant or non-cell resonant, it's going to have an impact on your on your system. So everything from the temperature and gravity, as you said, and, you know, the types of foods and water we're putting in, what we're breathing in, yes, all those things affect us. But also just how we um, are energetically impacted by the things that surround us. So not only like the electromagnetic waves and the electronics and all this other stuff and microwave energies, but just just even the structures that we're in. For example, we don't make contact with the with the earth. You know, very rarely right. do we go barefooted. And, and when we are barefooted, we're inside the house. We're still not making contact with the earth. Um, and so there's so much in the, the grounding aspect. So, yeah. I, I I'm happy to say, Dr. Batar, I've really remedied that, you know, since we moved to the new place. And I've got my gardens out back, and, uh, you know, every morning I'm out there as the sun's rising or if it's up a little higher so I can get some better sun that I want. 
I'm, I'm shirts off. I'm out there. I'm barefoot, walking in the dirt, in the grass, work in the garden, and it's just it. it you know, it's, it's the medicine that you can't bottle, right? Mm-hmm. It is something so extraordinary. And and you know, I, I was this weekend. I was in Dallas, which is a concrete jungle, as you know. And I uh, was at a, a great seminar, absolutely one of its first of its kind of seminar probably in the United States in, in a long time on homeoprophylaxis. That is the utilization of homeopathy specific uh, to uh, do what they claim vaccines do, but we can do some similar things with no harm. And had doctors coming in from all over the world, and it was just such an extraordinary place. But I still... I, I couldn't wait to get outside and ground again. So it really is, a, 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 it's not a phenomenon, so to speak, but it is a very real thing that will help so many things. It, it really does. And I think we truly take it for granted. And when I flopped down this chair to get ready for the show, um, <laughs> Sucking Wind, I looked at Don's, Super Don's uh, email, and I saw that email contained for the show as far as, you know, the the uh, stories that we were going to cover and with my typical 45 seconds of preparation time i uh noticed one <laughs> of the stories right off the yeah. bat about that exercise bill mm-hmm. yeah i know i was thinking that was very funny you didn't take it you went ahead and exercised for real <laughs> well i'm telling you right now if there is such a thing if they actually make it that's one drug i'm going to buy the entire world supply on <laughs> <laughs> after right now you're thinking yeah maybe i would take it after all huh oh, definitely would too. that's one drug i will take i don't care what anybody says i'm taking that drug <laughs> well the the irony i just you know you got to wonder what is the uh you know when you talk about side effects of drugs right they're often the same effect that they're treating right uh, it'll get rid of this but it also causes it right i wonder if the side effect of a drug that would make it so you don't have to exercise would be you want to exercise wouldn't that be funny that would be funny, but you know that in all honesty, there's no way they'd ever be able to accomplish something like that because the entire physiological cascade that's elicited when you exercise, it's it's not duplicatable. In fact, they even say in the article, because it was, um, I guess, University of Sydney and University of Copenhagen that got together to map out this uh, blueprint. I think they called it a blueprint of exercise, and they found over a 1,000 chemical reactions, and they said that, they even acknowledge that it would be impossible to take a drug and elicit a thousand different physiological reactions. So they're going to try to identify the most common ones and then try mm-hmm. to replicate that effect from a drug. But you and I both know that there are so many things that result from exercise that could never be duplicated by a drug. I mean, you just can't, you know, you, you just couldn't replicate that. For example, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have to compensate for the respiratory reserve so as as you're exerting yourself you start breathing deeper but it's also shallower so you go into this you shift from the uh, aerobic drive to the anaerobic drive because basically you can't ventilate air and you can't oxygenate the blood fast enough um, in the normal aerobic metabolism so you actually go into an anaerobic metabolism um, and even though that's counterintuitive the, the body has to because you, you, you can't produce you know you can't um, the body can't keep up with the demand, so it goes into anaerobic metabolism, and that's one reason we breathe harder. And mm-hmm. sometimes, even if you hold your breath for a few seconds, it feels better. It reduces the pain because you're hyperventilating. People are, if you find that you're having pain when you're exercising or exerting yourself, and, and you just hold your breath for maybe five seconds or 10 seconds, and you actually get relief, it's because you're hyperventilating. And so, by holding mm-hmm. your breath, breath, you're keeping yourself from blowing off too much oxygen and retaining the uh, carbon dioxide. Um, so, Anyway, the point being that 
you couldn't replicate that cascade, just that one cascade, mm-hmm. with the drug. You know, it's, right. it's, it's just impossible well, to do that. You know, it's interesting as we talk about um, the homeoprophylaxis weekend that I was at, where we talk about the use of homeopathic medicines. Now, they're actually nozodes, which you know uh, we mm-hmm. can take and prepare from pathogenic uh, material, whether it be virus, bacteria, fungus. I mean, it's in a form that can never cause the disease, but um, you can give one or you can give multiple at a time. And, I, I, you know, I, I've been of the opinion that the body, of course, with all of the hundreds of thousands to millions to billions of interactions in the body, up, down, right, left, all the things that it's doing for to, to stabilize uh, function or functions, that we could give more than one remedy at a time. The body can handle it. We we might be able to handle it, not be able to handle it consciously because we can't think consciously of so many things happening simultaneously. But the body, with its innate intelligence, infinite wisdom, whatever it is, can do way more than we can conceive of. But well, even it, it always is. It's constantly doing it more, way more than we can conceive. I mean, the subconscious is processing 400 million bits of data per second, and I mean, the mm. conscious mind is only doing 2,000 bits of data per second. So. Yeah, to your point, it's it's constantly doing it, and it's doing it every moment that we're alive, and we don't even recognize that. So let's say we found 1,000 homeopathic remedies that would mimic the molecular changes in skeletal muscles. I still don't believe that would do it because this physical body is designed to do things, and, of course, everything relates to movement. Movement is life itself. And so if this pill is going to mimic movement, then, of course, the pill has to be an electrical pill that stimulates you know everything to move. Movement, yeah. <laughs> Which seems like it'd be a lot easier just to move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless you're into the electric shock therapy, but that's not something I'm recommending. Oh my well, that's, goodness, that's a, that's a good point, though. But you know, uh, in fact, to the the homeopathic aspect of it. I mean, can you take a pill that increases cardiac output? Well, I'm sure you could, but then that's a sympathetic medic. You could probably take caffeine and you know mm-hmm. increase um, cardiac output, but. It's it's a great fantasy. So let's back up for a second. You know, it, it, I don't think it'll ever be possible. But mm-hmm. in the incredible possibility that it could be possible, um, hmm. and it's truly giving you the effect of exercise without any of the side effects of drugs. Yes, I I will I will buy the entire world supply. You still uh, you're I, still in. Okay, I'm still well. in. We, if, we know. So you're, if somebody comes up and say, I got the pill, you're going to invest. You, I think you'll be a sucker if you did, but I understand the sentiment. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Right now, I would definitely. Without a, <laughs> right now, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. <laughs> don't call, is it, you know, whatever your agent, don't call them around now. Like going, going shopping when you're really hungry. Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. Now, I was actually hungry this weekend because I didn't get out a lot from this conference, but I, I brought food thanks to my wife for the first day and a half. That's what I usually do. Uh, I did find a Chipotle. I did okay on that uh, one evening. And then the next day I fasted until dinner because I just didn't have time to get away with all the radio stuff and I was moderating panels and things. But, again, we've talked about this aspect of the benefit to the physical body of intermittent fasting, the ability to do so without it being devastating. And I wasn't. I was fully functional. By the end of the day, I was hungry. I was ready to eat, but I wasn't devastated as I was in my you know younger years when I was hypoglycemic, when I was deficient, and it was a whole different interaction when I couldn't get the food every two hours even. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very beneficial thing to fast. And as you know, during the month of Ramadan, Robert, you know that I mm-hmm. fast. But even, uh, for example, today I had a protein shake, which so it wasn't really a fast, but that's all I can had. And I still haven't had anything to eat solid to eat, just had that protein shake. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, that's still something. But you know, to, sh- to fast once a week or something, uh, once even once every two weeks. I did the longest fast I ever did where I didn't eat anything solid was uh, I think it was 18 days. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you, the effect of when I when I had my blood drawn to do ozone autohemotherapy, the blood was the brightest red. It was as if I just run, and wow. after running, my blood gets really bright. But it was amazing how clean the blood was because just from fasting. Well, maybe we found the pill is is not to eat. It's the fasting pill, the intermittent fasting pill, and it'll have the same effect as exercise. All right, we're having a great conversation with Dr. Rashid Batari. He's recovering from his hill climbs just before the show, and uh, we are on though, and he is on. Check it out. Links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. Hey, Dr. Guitar, I got to hang out a little bit with uh, with Dr. Andrew Wakefield this weekend. He came up and uh, did a little bit in Dallas, and he had just come from Utah, where he was meeting with some you know pretty influential folks within the political realm. They're trying to put some pressure on uh, Chavitz, Refer- Representative Chavitz, Chavitz, I think, uh, uh-huh. to get a hearing. You know, the, with Brian Hooker and and all the things that have been put on the record now because of Congressman Posey reading into the congressional record about the fraud at the CDC, the whistleblower and is- issues and. Uh, it's really interesting in, in uh, Utah, of all places, they have the, one of the higher uh, autism rates. And I thought they were more aware of the dangers of these vaccines, but evidently they're not. They're very much, uh, the, the, the church out there I've heard is very much in favor of, you know, obeying the authorities on vaccinations, and, it's, and they're paying for it now. Yeah, I, I was not aware that uh, they were trying to get some congressional testimony there, but, you know, having been there and done that it doesn't really do anything because um it's just giving it lip service and then they kind of leave it at that i mean it's 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 almost um going through the motions and just so Mm -hmm. you can say that somebody went through the motions it's the definitive action after the testimonies that really is lacking and um sure that's what we've seen even with uh posey reading the absolute scandal of the cover-up of, of the, st- of the uh, statistics that led to their conclusion of a significant increase in, in autism with uh, the MMR, particularly in young African-American boys. Uh, but what they're pushing for is to get the whistleblower, William Thompson himself, to testify under oath. Evidently, he's willing to do so. And the pressure on Chaffetz, who's the head of that committee, to not allow it to happen, even though he's somewhat sympathetic to it, that's what's happening right now behind the scenes, evidently. They're pushing for it. There's a lot of pushback because if, if, if he was, as a whistleblower, a Ph.D. lead researcher from CDC, acknowledged what, that, what he had said on the call with Hooker, it would be harder. I'm not saying impossible. It would be harder to completely be silent about it as the media has been. Well, I think that's the issue right there. You just hit that nail right on the head because it has to do with the media being silent because the public won't be listening to C-SPAN to hear the congressional testimonies and such, and the media has it covered, and the media won't cover it, and and whatever is covered will be uh, rudimentary at best. So that's one reason the, some of the projects that you are aware of indirectly, um, mm-hmm. they're targeted to allow the public to discover the truth for themselves as opposed to relying on the media to take the to take the word out and it has to be done on a very wide scale on a very large scale that encompasses the vast majority of the public because 
as long as we sit by and think that the media is going to cover it, uh, cover the topic, it, it's just not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. There's just too many um, parties involved that have too much to lose and have too much vested in the status quo for the media to ever cover it. It's almost like the media covering the political situation, honestly. It, it, it'll never happen. And I think that yeah. by sitting back and waiting for it to occur is is a mistake in itself. Yeah, I think I think clearly, you know, you and I, we don't wait for things. We just go out and do it. We communicate it. Uh, we remedy it to the best of our ability. It doesn't mean we can remedy it for everybody or on that that kind of scale. Uh, but uh, to wait for that magic moment when suddenly the heavens open up and all will be well, it's like that's not the way it really works down here. And we must continue to do obviously the right thing. That's kind of where we were speaking out. I was speaking out this weekend at the homeoprophylaxis seminar, people from around the world coming together and saying, you know, we can't be silent. There's too much trauma. There's too much tragedy. There's too much injury and even death occurring due to the silence on this particular issue. And again, we know we can't change it for everybody, but we're not going to be part of the problem is, is I guess, the, the fundamental statement ultimately. Yeah, because by there's only one one or the other you can be. There's an old saying, if you're not part of the solution by definition, you're part of the problem. And I think that's what it comes down to, that um, you must be part of the solution if you don't want to be part of the problem, because that's the only other option. And unfortunately, many people stand by thinking, well, we'll just stand by. And that's, uh, I think, uh, Edmund Burke is attributed to saying something to the extent that the only thing necessary for evil to perpetuate is for good men to stand by and do nothing, something to that extent. And... Um, Dr. Hooker and some of these other people that are trying to make it happen. I mean, those are yeah. just examples of people that you're talking about that you know that that are making something happen, and that's what's necessary. That's what's needed. Well, if you if you tune into Advanced Medicine each and every week with Dr. Batar here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, you are not doing nothing. You're doing a lot, and I know you're getting the word out. So uh, we'll be up to see Dr. Hooker in a couple of weeks in Minnesota at the World Health uh, the World Health Freedom Congress uh, that happens every year as well. So we'll tell you more about that. And it's Pink Washing Month. What does that mean? The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. I'm definitely thinking globally, but I'm very much acting locally with my garden, you know, and I want to I want to encourage you if you haven't planted something already, even though it's getting to winter, do something, prepare the beds, whatever. Uh, the United States Health Freedom Congress, it is, uh, that I was talking about, 18th, 19th, and 20th in Minnesota. The links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Of course, you can link through to Dr. Rashid Bittar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R, drbittar.com, and all the links as well. Still have the links up if you want to join us. We we made it easier, mango4health.com. You have an invitation code if you haven't done so already a private association that will allow more freedom of speech than you've ever heard before, which is awesome. And, of course, the uh, international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Dr. Pitar, okay, Pink Washing Month is on. Uh, once again, uh, football players are wearing pink, not wearing tutus that I know, but they're wearing pink because they think they're doing something good to raise awareness for breast cancer or raise money for the treatment or investigation into new treatments of breast cancer, none of which involve detoxification. 
Yeah, I think becoming aware is probably a good thing, but becoming aware of the inadequacy of cancer research, so-called cancer research, I think is probably more important than being aware of cancer, because I think pretty much the entire population on the planet Earth is aware of cancer, and it's probably touched everybody in some way, fashion, or form. I think it's the unawareness of, of how we're or the inadequacy of how we're dealing with cancer, I think that's where we need to draw the attention. Yeah, in fact, the, the quest for the cures, a global quest is opening up uh, in about a week, and we have that linked up in the show notes as well. But um, you, of course, uh, as much as you think Ty, uh, well, I, you guys tease each other a lot, but I can't tell you how many times he's quoted you uh, and the things that you've said for the upcoming global quest when we're on the air together. Don't tell him I told you that. But <laughs> I, I, you want to hear more of what Dr. Batar has to say about cancer, even research into cancer, some absurdities you pointed out. Uh, there's going to be even more coming out in the next uh, global quest. Yeah, it, I haven't uh, seen any of the interviews, but he told me that they they went really well, and um, so I, I never know what he's taping, what he's not taping when when we're talking. So <laughs> he's trying to catch no you doing something, yeah, something exactly. awkward. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that picture he took, you know, when he flexes his bicep right in front of my head. And uh, so they take the picture, and, and <laughs> you just see my body in his arm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. Uh, well, look, we, we, we do have fun behind the scenes, sometimes right out in front here on the radio show, uh, and enjoy, t- enjoy the things we have because we have to in the midst of, of some things. I mean, uh, part of the thing when I saw Wakefield, he, he has a new uh, video documentary coming out. Uh, about some other cases, and in this case, uh, some doctors, one particular Nobel laureate, I forgot the name of the guy, uh, that he tracks from introduction to this information, devastating information about how dangerous vaccines are, you know, to the denial where it starts, where the doctor says that's not possible, to the genuine shock uh, through that awareness, of, for instance, of how devastatingly dangerous and how lacking in real scientific validation they have in terms of safety and efficacy. And it's like that, oh, my God, moment that you walk, you witness this Nobel laureate go to. So maybe another visual layer for some other folks that are on the fence that can't conceive of the fraud that has been perpetrated on us for 100-plus years. Right. He, You said he actually had a video of this? Yeah. He, he, well, he, 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 there were some snippets because it isn't finished. It's on its way to be done. So he was able to reveal a bit of, a bit of this next documentary. And, of course, it's heartbreaking to witness, um, you know, some of these children that have been devastated you've seen it enough firsthand that was nothing new for you but it is interesting when you can capture someone who for instance who has a nobel prize that witnesses this from a shocking that's not true that can't be possible to oh my gosh we were lied to i can't believe it right Mm -hmm. those kind of things do help kind of move the consciousness a bit oh sure absolutely yeah because then people don't feel um they don't feel like oh my god how could I have been so stupid? Because then they realize, wait a second, the smartest, the ones that were appointed to guard us, the ones that are doing the research, the ones that have actually built their livelihoods upon this information, they were fooled. So how could they, how, how could the person, individual person, the person that's, you know, not relying upon uh, being 110% immersed within the subject matter, um, mm-hmm. how could they uh, fault themselves for becoming victim to this information or lack of information. So I think to see uh, a researcher, somebody that goes through that whole evolution, helps other people 
to make that transition and say, well, if, if this person didn't know, then... Yeah, then it's okay. I mean, this guy was a Ph.D., an M.D., a Nobel laureate. Again, these are the kind of things that appeal to the social conscience, uh, and we recognize that's that's sometimes the thing that holds this information back, the right. fear of being ostracized, the fear of being rejected, you know, sent into a corner. Of course, you and I haven't had that fear often in our life, the way we've lived our lives, but we recognize that, you know, most people are driven by that because we want to feel uh, accepted we might misplace that thought as love necessarily, but uh, to be accepted by those who accept lies as truth is not something I'm interested in. Well, many times the parents that will say to me too, and, I, and I've had to, I've had other people, not only just parents, but other people say, "Well, you know, what are you supposed to do when they tell you and they they intimidate you and they they force you and they tell you, you know, you're a bad parent if you're not going to do it and this and that? You know, what are you supposed to do?" And and I, I just look at them, I say. What are you supposed to do? I don't care what you do. I, I'm, I would not put a known poison into my child just to appease the... the I'm not going to say the word because I don't know whether I can have to get... Yes, please down don't. Or down. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the SOBs, how's that? That's okay, yes, right? that's good. Yeah. Well yeah, said, so, well said. Yeah. So why, why are we so worried? That's how my mind works, at least. Why are we mm-hmm. so worried what other people think? But you're right. I think for most people... If they know that somebody else that had much less chances of having the wool pulled over their eyes had the wool pulled over their eyes, it allows them to say, oh, my God, the wool also got pulled over my eyes, as opposed to being singled out and saying, what are you, an mm-hmm. idiot? You didn't see this? You know, that, that type of thing. And I think um, the, the con- to be, I think it's human nature to want to conform, I, I, I suppose, um, that part well, of I, I think so. Enough, I, I, I think we're not. We're you and I are not human. It must be aliens. Yeah. <laughs> we don't conform well. We, no. we occasionally play well with others, but we don't conform well, right? <laughs> well, so I've been told, at least. But <laughs> yes, the thing well, is that uh, you know you, you use that word sheeple. I've heard mm-hmm. you use that word sheeple many times, and that's really what it comes yeah. down to. That there are a lot of people that are fearful, and that's what makes them into these sheeples. And that's one reason I love our slogan so much, The Power to Heal mm-hmm. is Yours, because it gives, people, um, the, it gives people the autonomy that's necessary for them to become aware that, hey, wait a second, you too can, can actually have that power. We all have that power. It's, 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 nothing, some, it's nothing unique to you or me, as you know, mm-hmm. Robert. It's, it's actually every human being has it. We just have to invoke it. We just have to mm-hmm. reach out and, and grab it. And as soon as we do... The amazing thing is it becomes um, very, very obvious to all, mm-hmm. and um, I hope that everyone partakes in that experience, and that's what this whole show is about. That's why I like doing it. Yeah, the shift is on. I mean, this weekend, again, I'll go back to the homeoprophylaxis weekend, and mostly a, a room of, of, of homeopaths, which I, I've never, it was like, you don't want to talk about a minority of a minority of a minority, not many of us, and... Uh, in the past, there's been a deep schism, and I'm not going to say it still isn't there, but there's a heavy dogma in homeopathy in certain schools of thought, and they don't like to get along with anybody else. And I was a little nervous going in there to speak to this group. And it was just, it, it was an open-hearted group. There was a lot of uh, love and, and laughter, and, you know, it was a serious topic as well. And there were different ideas being presented, but nobody attacked anybody else. And I, I felt like 
that was evidence of a shift of consciousness because I knew 20 years ago going into these things that, you know, you would get thrown, they throw tomato, homeopathic or real tomatoes at you, whatever. <laughs> and this time it, it was different. So it was for me another validation that things are changing despite some people saying, well, no, things don't ever change. Well, listen, individuals change. I'm not saying everybody in a group changes or every group changes, but individuals within groups do. And that has an impact on the group ultimately. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I wish I'd known about it and I would have come there because, you know, most of the times when you're at a conference, um, at least in the last probably five, six years for me, I, I haven't really gone to too many conferences uh, when I go. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just to give a lecture or something like that. In fact, I think the last big one I did was Autism One, and we started doing our own little ones, but this would have been one nice one because um, it's been a long time since I've just been able to go to a conference and be a be an attendee and not have yeah to i know lecture, so. it, it, same here it was it, even though you know i lectured but still i was so keenly interested in the experience of the other doctors there because it really is on that cutting edge of that next phase where we'll all end up going in terms of those that recognize there's nothing wrong with sensitizing the immune system toward a potential disease as we said we're not anti-vaccination per se but the way it's done sure it's horrible but there are other methods, and that's the point of this. And it was just great. And a lot of data that was uh, delivered, even peer-reviewed, whether that's critical or not for people to hear, uh, they went over people that knew firsthand what happened in Cuba with the leptospirosis nozo that was given. 1.2 or 1.5 million people were given the nozo because they couldn't afford the vaccine, and it worked better than the vaccine. I mean, these are stunning things that are happening now. Uh, and, of course, economics ultimately will rule the day when you can no longer afford the expensive patented vaccines. Nozodes will be something that will be mainstay one day in the future. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly it. When you can start to get the response and immunity without any adverse effect and be able to do it in a very economical and cost-efficient manner, that's when we have made a difference and that's what exactly we all want that unfortunately the vaccine industry um, lacks in all three of those things because it's dangerous it causes side effects and it's not economical it's not sustainable yeah there was a uh, pediatrician a doctor medical doctor that came to the conference the last day and was listening to Wakefield's talk and seeing the you know the visual horror of, of the you know what these things were doing and he said, you know, he's a doctor that is open to doing alternative vaccine schedules for his clients and such, but, you know, was open to hearing all of this. And after Wakefield's talk, he asked the question, you know, knowing what you know now, are there any 